If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. And let's all go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1 and verse uh, 15. Romans 1 and 15. Paul by the Spirit said, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And I am ready to preach the gospel outside these four walls and to other countries and other places. I believe God has raised up many, many that are ready to preach the gospel. Do you, do you think so? Gospel means, literally means good tidings, good message, good news, sometimes we say. What is the good message? What is the good news? It's about Jesus. It's about what he has done, how he has come and taken our place and became our sin and took our judgment and qualified us through faith in him to receive what we would never deserve or never earn. The deliverance, the freedom, the cleansing, the righteousness, the holiness. To be a very child of the Most High. That's good news. Isn't that good news? Does everybody need to hear this good news? Verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of this good message of Christ, this gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everybody needs to be saved. And everybody needs to come into the full knowledge and full experience of salvation. Being saved is not limited to not going to hell. Being saved, the Greek word for salvation, sozo, and its different forms is a big word in the New Testament. It it doesn't just mean you're missing hell. When you say I'm saved. Saved from what? You said a lot. You, You made a big statement when you said I am saved. You did say I'm saved from eternal judgment. I'm saved from hell. I'm saved from being lost. But you also said I'm saved from depression. I'm saved from sickness. I'm saved from poverty. I'm Do you believe this? You're saved from every evil, destructive, failing thing. Come on, somebody say, I'm saved. I'm saved. Saved from what? Well, from everything you needed saving from. I'm saved. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Unto salvation. Now why would you say I'm not ashamed. Of the gospel. Why would he say this. If it's a non-issue. If you were never tempted to be ashamed. You wouldn't say anything like this. Would you. Why would he say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because there were pressures. Coming against him. From the religious. 
hierarchy that didn't believe, from the secular authorities. How many know that virtually everywhere he went, he had revival and riot? Didn't he? And people are trying to shut him up and and smother him. and, And one of the techniques of the enemy is to shame you. To try to shame you into silence. But you can hear something coming up on the inside of him saying, I am not ashamed of this gospel. He's bold to proclaim it. One of the main definitions of bold means free. Free. At liberty to proclaim it. Now, we need to, we need to meditate on this and, and see how this applies to us. Because I assure you, you've been saved any length of time... And you've uh, proclaimed to believe the gospel or tried to share the gospel with anybody. Then there have been pressures that have come against you to back off and to be ashamed. And maybe in some circles they won't push you to be ashamed that Jesus will save you from hell. But that same bunch will try to make you ashamed if you believe in the good news about healing. And maybe this group won't try to make you ashamed that you believe in healing, but they'll try to make you ashamed if you believe in talking in tongues. They'll try to shame you. And some of the ones that will agree with all that, yet they'll try to shame you if you say you believe that God's a good God and he'll bless you financially and materially and that there is good news for the poor. But I'm not ashamed of the good news to the poor. In uh, Luke 4.18. We looked at this last time. Let's look at it again. Luke 4.18. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me. To do what? To preach the gospel. The good message. The good news. To who? To the poor. What is the good news To the poor. You don't have to go to hell. You can be born again. Now a lot of people assume that. And when they read it. They kind of read that into that. But read the rest of the passage. What's good news to the broken hearted? That you can be healed. Not born again. Healed. What's the good news to the captives? Not not to be born again. That you can be delivered. Right? What's good news to the blind? You can see. What's good news to the bruised, those in chains and bondage? You can be free. You can have liberty. I had some people criticize me one time and, and then sent me these ugly letters about, you know, no, no, we don't preach all that healing stuff. They said, we just preach the gospel. And the only message that's important is that Jesus saves and you can be born again. And I had a fellow about, his, his jaw dropped when, he, when, when I told him. I said, I disagree. He looked, at, I could see it in his eyes. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. Heretic. Heretic. <laughs> I said, let me explain. Yes, if you're lost and on your way to hell, the most important message for you is that you can be born again. You can be saved. But if you've been saved for 20 years and you know your name's in the Lamb's book of life and you know you're ready to die and yet you can't pay your bills, is the most important message to you be born again? See, you've got whole churches 
that goes Sunday after Sunday. And everybody in there is saved. And they preach a salvation message to them hard. And everybody in the house is born again. So much so that people that's been saved for 15 years start getting under conviction and going, wow, am I saved? I thought I was. Maybe I need to go back to the altar. Really, you do. You got people going back to the altar unsure of their salvation. This is not good. I said, this is not good. No. Maybe a person's thoroughly saved, been born again for years, but they're sick. They they don't have enough strength and ability to get up and do what they need to do. Well, being born again is not the main message they need. What's good news to the lost? You can be saved. You can be born again. What's good news to the sick? You can be healed. Is that good news? Is that sweet music to the ears of the sick? You can be healed. Good news to the person bound up in sin and habits and, and junk. You can be delivered. You can be totally free. In fact, Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. So you can be. Now back up to the front part. What is good news to the poor? What's good news to the poor? Well, it wouldn't be come to Jesus and get saved. And, you know, sometimes we don't understand it, but sometimes it's not God's will for you to have anything materially or financially. And we don't understand his ways in this world, but just, you know, submit to his will. Well, there's no good news in that about being poor is the relative to being poor there's no, no good message good news to the poor to the broke is ain't gotta be poor no more that is sweet music that isn't it I remember Phyllis and I we grew up poor and our parents before us you know and their family is poor but you know, when you're poor and everybody around you poor, you just think that's normal. You know, you, 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 don't, you don't know much about outside your, your life and your circles. And uh, when we begin to find out that the Lord actually cared about our natural things and that he would help us pay our bills and he would help us get a nicer place to live and nicer stuff to wear. And I mean, when that dawned on us, we were so happy. <laughs> Come on, do you remember the first time you heard it? We thought, what, say what? What? What, you mean the Almighty will get involved in my stuff? My bills and my affairs? You mean He cares? You mean He'll give me something good to enjoy? Hadn't got over it yet. <laughs> and there are, sadly, there are preachers, there are theologians. Scriptorians, there are people all over the place that find fault with folks like me and, and you, and they say, oh, that's just being materialistic. Oh, that's just, God don't care about all, oh, you know, it's not always God's will for you to have anything. And they try to shame us for believing this or for having anything nice. Try to shame us. Oh, you ought to be ashamed having a car like that. You ought to be ashamed. Living in a house like that. You ought to be ashamed. You know, there are people who say, you ought to be ashamed having a church like this. You don't need, I mean, that place must have cost millions of dollars. Sure did. (laughs) Those TV bills must cost a lot. They do. (laughs) 
Oh, you could be doing something else with that. And what are you doing with your money? You sure you got time to examine our stuff? You sure? You're in such good shape, such a good steward, that you can go around judging other people. But see, what is that effort? It's an effort to shame you. And you'll see Christians making excuses all the time. God bless them with something good, something nice. Maybe something expensive. And people go, oh boy, that must have cost a lot. And they go, uh, well, I, I got it half price. Uh, and and I, had, I had a coupon and, <laughs> and so on. So what are you doing? What are you doing? You are ashamed. You are ashamed. You know, how much did that dress cost? Oh. Well, you didn't steal it, did you? I mean, <laughs> but see, people are ashamed, aren't they? I mean, uh, how, how much is that ring? What is it? How much is that? You know, and people are ashamed and embarrassed and they try to start backpedaling and making excuses and, and mm-mm. should we be ashamed of the goodness of Of the blessing of the Lord. Should we be embarrassed. About the good message. And the good God. And his good things. That's what we're talking about. Is there good news to the poor. Thank God there is. Uh, Go with me. Thank you Lord. Over to the book of. uh, Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26. Now, from the beginning of the Word of God, it's very plain that having plenty and even being rich is good. And not having enough to eat and being broke is bad. Hmm? But before you turn to that scripture, I want you, well, no, no, just stay where you are. They'll put Isaiah 520 up for us. You don't need, you don't need to turn to that. Just put up, please, Isaiah 520. We read it off the screen. It says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. How many think woe is a good thing or a bad thing? It's bad. You, You don't want to be on the other side of woe. Woe. Woe to you means watch out, dude. You're about to have some problems. Woe to you that call evil good and call good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Would you say this is somebody's confused? They got it mixed up. They're calling good evil and evil good. This is happening all over the church. Isn't it? And in this area, it's not good to not have enough. And having extra and abundance is good. And the, you know, in the beginning, the Lord even told him. He, he created everything and he said there was gold in a certain part that he'd created. And he said, now that gold is good. He told, didn't he tell him? And you got people today going, oh, it's evil, evil money. Evil. Hey, God says the gold is good. Don't you say it's evil? Then you call in good evil. People say, oh, the Bible said that money was the root of all evil. It did not. It did not say that. 
And that's where people get all messed up and confused. Having money is not the problem. Trusting money instead of God is the problem. Money is not the problem. Loving money. He said the love of money is the root of all evil. And yet folks have got it twisted around. When you got plenty of money and you can pay all your bills and you can pay other people's bills and you can finance the gospel. How is that evil? Oh, they just filthy rich. Disgusting. (laughs) Filthy. Did you know that there are many Christians that are prejudiced against wealth? They are prejudiced against rich people and against wealthy people. They see somebody of means or substance or what they have, or what they spent, and it makes them mad, and they just go, mmm. They're prejudiced against them. Don't even know them, but don't like them, because they got an expensive car, and they got a real nice house. They just don't like them. How many know it's wrong to be prejudiced? Just because you had a bad experience with a woman doesn't mean all women are evil. And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. (laughs) And just because you had a bad experience with a man does not mean all men are dogs. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. (laughs) And just because you had an unpleasant time with some Baptists. Doesn't mean all Baptists are unpleasant people. And just because you had a sad time with some word of faith people. And charismatic people ripped you off. Does not mean all word and faith people are crooks. Does it? Come on, surely we're growing and being enlightened to the point where we know that such all-encompassing statements are stupid. If you say all men are like that, all women, all white people, all black people, all rich people, all poor people. Being poor does not make you anything except unable. Being rich doesn't make you a good person. Right? How many know there are mean people with money? Huh? And there are broke mean people too. (laughs) But is it possible that there could be in this day a man like Abraham whom God made rich? Come on, do you believe? The Bible said very plainly, God made him rich. God made him rich. Is it possible to be blessed, to have plenty? Oh, I'm tempted to get ahead of myself here. I I saw some things last night that we're going to get to eventually that, mm, glory to God. I'm already volunteering for ahead of time, but um, just stay with us. We'll, We'll get there.
Is it good to be poor? It is not. Now, we must separate poverty from poor people. We're not against poor people. We're against poverty. We're not against sick people. We are against sickness. We're not against sinners. But we are against sin. Come on, do we, can we distinguish this? Now, look with me in Leviticus 26. From the beginning, God has revealed in his word that plenty was good and that lack was bad. And he revealed to his people and to us, his first covenant people that he brought out of Egyptian bondage and and in the law, uh, you know, affects so many things and, and, and the law is fulfilled in Christ. Same principles. I mean, what God has said is always true forever and ever. Our approach to him has changed. It's not through the keeping of the law we're righteous. It's by our faith in Jesus. But what he said is still true. Everything he's ever said is true. And he told them, if you will obey me, if you'll keep my commandments, I will bless you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to increase you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to multiply. But now if you won't listen to me, if you rebel against me and you disobey me, then you're going to be cursed and you will lose and you won't have and you'll be in lack. So does he want us to obey or disobey? Well, then to say it might be his will for you to be in lack, even if you obey, is contradictory to plain scripture and confusing To no end, if you tell people, well, you may obey God with all your heart and go with him all the way, but it still may be his will for you to lose everything you got and not ever have enough in this life. That is totally contrary to the plain word of God. Now, let's remind ourselves of some of these things. We won't read all of it for time's sake, but in Leviticus uh, 26, remember verse uh, 5. This is prefaced, of course, with if you will keep my commandments, if you obey me. He said, your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you'll eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Now, threshing is harvest time. Vintage is what you stored up from the previous harvest. And one of the definitions of prosperity is to succeed in reaching. It's a literal definition of prosperity, prospering. And one of the definitions of poverty is to fail to succeed, to lack, to come short, to not reach. Now, so many Christians are trying to live from check to check. And not making it. They run out of the last provision. Before they get the next. This is not a blessing. This is not a blessing. And so many times people have lived like. Their parents live like that. And maybe their parents before them. And they're used to living like this. And think well this is just life. But it doesn't have to be that way. There's good news. I said there's good news. The Lord said if you obey me. And you go all the way with me, I will see to it that before you use up what you've got, you've got some new coming in. Somebody ought to be happy about this. Huh? 
that you got some new coming in. You still got money left over from the last check. Last time you got paid and you already got more money coming in. You hadn't spent that up yet and here comes some more. That is a revelation to a lot of folks. Could you live like that? Is it possible? Or do you have to eat by, squeak by the rest of your life? Man, there are all kind of Christians that, you know, before they ever get paid, they've already spent it. And then they're trying to borrow from somebody else and work something else. And and they're always just getting further and further in the hole. That is not being blessed. That's a curse. And you don't have to live that way. He went on to say in verse 10. And you shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. You have to pull out the three-year-old car out of the garage. <laughs> so you can put it because you want the brand new one in. Huh? You have to pull out all those clothes you got last year. Because you got so many new clothes that have come in. This is being blessed. This is good. Isn't it? Is this God's will for everybody? Everybody that will believe on him and follow him. Or is he a respecter of persons? Is it his will for some uh, folks to be broke? And always be short? Listen friend, don't believe the devil's lies. God has not ordained that you or me or anybody else come up short all the time. Somewhere or another, that's our lot in life. It's not true. He talked about the curse that would come in the rest of the uh, chapter, down in verse 20 through 26 and through there. He talked about that, your, verse 20, your strength will be spent in vain, and your land won't yield or increase, and your trees won't yield their fruits. This is a curse. You're working your crops, and you don't get anything. You're working hard and investing and nothing comes out of it. You put more into it than you get out of it. That's a curse. 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 Go to Deuteronomy 28, please. Deuteronomy 28. You'll see the same thing described. I mean, this is something that God wanted indelibly imprinted into our minds and hearts for all time. Do you remember? He had one group stand over here on this place and read the blessings, and another group stand over here and read the curses, and he wanted the whole nation to know and commanded them to tell their children and children after them throughout all generations, what? Obey God and get blessed. Huh? Be a fool, disobey God, and be cursed, and lose everything you got, and be sick, and be oppressed. Now, how is it that through some generations... Some folks have gone to school and got some degrees and figured out that what God really meant is that sometimes a blessing is not really a blessing. It could be a curse in disguise that you probably don't need all that money for reasons you'll never understand or that sometimes being broke could be a blessing in disguise. And being sick could be a blessing in disguise. Now, now, you know, I I see some of you in the church, you're shaking your head, and I'm glad that you are. But you understand, millions of church-going people believe some form of this. They believe that, you know, maybe that tornado that tore my house down, 
or that disease that stole my baby or that car wreck that killed my spouse. You know, I know it's sad. I know it hurts. But God's ways are mysterious. And maybe, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. No, no, no. Don't call evil good. Evil is evil. Always was evil. Always will be evil. And being broke, not have enough to eat, don't have enough for a place to stay, don't have enough to pay your bills, take care of your kids, evil, evil, curse, having plenty, having abundance, more than enough, pay everything, do everything, be a blessing to other people, advance the kingdom, good, blessing, blessing. Does God want us to obey or disobey? Obey. Obey. Then he wants us blessed. Because that's what goes with obeying. Doesn't it? Deuteronomy 28. And down about verse uh, 11. Now this is prefaced. Many of you have read this with the same thing. It starts off by saying, if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, what will happen? The Lord will make you plenteous in goods. Now how you hyper-spiritualize that? Goods. Stuff. Right? And he's very specific. Goods in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, he's going to make you plenteous. Somebody say plenteous. One of the words we'd use today is copious. That's akin to this word abundance. Uh, That's not just enough. That's more than enough. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heaven, and give rain to your land in his season, and bless all the work of your hand, and you will lend unto many nations and shall not borrow. You get to the place where you got everything you need. You don't have to pay anybody for the privilege of using their money. You can put yours out. And get paid. Pay or get paid? Owe or own? Cursed or blessed? Which should we be? Which can we be? Uh, has it been predetermined for us to be locked into the servant position? Because the rich rules over the poor, the scripture said, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Am I just destined To be in servitude. The poor pay more than anybody else. Do you know that? I mean houses are expensive enough to go buy. But time you pay X percent interest for 30 years. You have bought that thing three times. And if you got money. You just walk up and write a check. And you got your house. So it costs you a third of what it cost the poor man to buy your house. What's the will of God? Now, we're not talking about feeling bad, feeling condemned, feeling in fear, because all of us have experienced some lack. And all of us have had some symptoms of something that wasn't a blessing. Right? But the issue is, do we have to accept it as our lot in life? Do we have to lay down and say, well, I guess this is just God meant for me to be poor. Are sick. No. No. There's good news. Good news. 
Good news, poor man. Good news, poor woman. What? Tell me the good news. What's the good news? Hadn't got to be poor. No more. Don't have to be. Just like you don't have to be lost anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be confused and depressed anymore. <laughs> Keep reading. Verse 13. The Lord will make you the head. Reckon you could receive that for yourself today. I mean, is this the word of God? Because the Bible says we are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus. Isn't that right? This belongs to the seed of Abraham. The Lord will make you. You ought to say it out loud. The Lord will make me. The head and not the tail. I will be above only. I will not be beneath. That sounds like blessed. That doesn't sound like broken down. He said, if you'll hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God, if you'll do what he tells you to do. Verse 14, and if you don't go aside from the commandments or serve other gods. Verse 15. But, but, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and statutes which I command thee this day, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Sometimes people say, well, you know, there must be a reason why all this happens. Oh, there's a reason. (laughs) Don't mean it's the will of God. See, people imply if it happens, it must be the will of God and the plan of God. Oh, no, no, no. There's all kind of stuff happening down here that has never been the will of God that actually grieves him. Well, why does he let it happen? Because he made man and woman with a free will. And we can do whatever we please. But if if it pleases you to disobey him, it's going to cost you. There's going to be problems. And all the junk that, I mean, every thorn and every poisonous plant and every problem in the atmosphere is because our parents didn't listen to God. Right? Right? And all this is in the earth. Thank God he's going to fix everything for us real soon. He's going to fix the whole thing. And we're going to have heaven and earth with zero curse. There's going to be no, we've never been in a place like that. We've never been in a place like that. I know uh, I heard a, a woman giving her testimony that she died, and it's, they, they said at the hospital she died, you know, for a, a long time, minutes-wise, and uh, she said she went to heaven and saw some things, and, and, and they finally got her back, and she said uh, one thing that she noticed, after being there for, to her it seemed like a little while, you know, time's different, I guess, between here and there, but she said uh, she noticed how light it was. There, there was no heaviness. There was no sadness. There was, she'd never been in a place like that. Her whole life, you, we, we're used to this heaviness. We don't even know it's here. We're used to it. But there is a, a darkness. There is a negativity. There, there is a heaviness because there's curse in the earth. But soon and very soon, we're going to be in a place where there is no curse at all. No, no heaviness. No, no evil. No negative. Oh, what shouting we'll do. How free we will be. Notice he said, keep reading. If you won't listen to me, all these curses will come on you. And keep reading. He said, you'll be cursed in the city. Cursed in the field. Keep going. Cursed in your basket. Cursed in your store. Well, how would you be cursed in your basket and store? 
lack, run out, empty, cursed in the fruit of your body, fruit of your land, your kind, your flocks of your sheep, 19. You'll be cursed when you come in, cursed when you go out, cursed. Is it his will for us to be cursed? No. Verse 38. You'll carry much seed out into the field and gather little in. The locust will consume it. To invest a bunch into something and get nothing out of it is not the mysterious will of God. It's a curse. Something's not right. Shouldn't be happening that way for you, a child of God. That's not that God's trying to teach you something. Verse 39, he said, you'll plant vineyards and dress them, but you won't drink of the wine. You won't gather the grapes. Worms will get them and eat them. Somebody say curse. 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 Verse 40, you'll have olive trees throughout all your coast, but you won't get to use the oil. And your olive will cast its fruit. You'll lose whole crops. You won't get to enjoy what you worked hard for. That's a curse. That's a curse. Skip on down to verse 47. Because you wouldn't serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. What were we supposed to be doing? We were supposed to be obeying him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And him blessing our socks off. And us thanking him every day and night just full of joy because of all the good things in our life. But no, they wouldn't do that. So now they're going to experience the curse. Not because it was ever God's will. Or ever God's plan, but because of rebellion and disobedience. Verse 48, so you'll serve your enemies. And hunger and nakedness in want of all things. Is want of all things a blessing or a curse? Curse. Somebody say curse. Verse 49, and then the nation will come against you and and he, he goes on to talk about your enemies prevailing over you. And you're not being the head. you be being the tail. You're not being above. you being under them and beneath them and subservient to them. Wealth brings ability. It brings options. When you have enough resources, you have other options. Don't you? It brings freedom. And for a man or woman that's completely sold out to God, dedicated to God, that means they can follow his direction anywhere at any time. Yes. Hallelujah. There's a freedom. Do you believe the Lord needs people like this? Yes. Not everybody's going to believe this message. Not everybody's going to receive it. We can't control that. But there's got to be a group of people that will be available to the Lord to do something for him in this world, in this life, to believe he is this good and not be ashamed of this message. And not be ashamed of his goodness. And not be ashamed of having some stuff and being able to do some things. Thank you, Lord. Do you volunteer to be a part of that bunch? Somebody might have seen you come in here already. They might have assumed you're one of us. So you might as well just go ahead, come on all the way in. And if you're going to catch the flack and get persecuted, you might as well get the benefits. Right? To go with it. <laughs> go to Galatians 3, please. You might say, well, Brother Keith, I, I have disobeyed the Lord. And I have, you know, not listened to him. and Not did what he told me to do. So I guess uh, I deserve the curse. Well, you and everybody else in here has done that same thing to some degree. Not listening to him. 
not obeying him. But here's where that good news <laughs> comes in. Galatians 3.13. I'm glad I came to church this morning. I would, I'd have preached this just to myself to help me out. Galatians 3.13. What does it say? What have we been reading about in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28? We've been reading about the curse of the law in there. We didn't read the whole thing, but we read some parts that applied to material lack and want. And this says, Christ hath. That's past tense accomplishment with present tense results. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Somebody ought to say, Christ Christ has has redeemed me. From the curse of the law. law. Is lack part of the curse of the law? Losing your investments and not having enough and coming up short. Is that part of the curse of the law? We just got through reading it. Have you been redeemed from lack? From the curse of being broke and not having enough? That's a curse. It's no blessing in disguise. It's just a curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. The way he did it, he became a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why did he do it? Next verse. Why did he do it? That in order that the blessing of Abraham. Well, The Bible very plainly says God made Abram rich. I'm quoting the Bible. Who made him rich? Said him and his nephew had so much, so many cows, so many goats, so many camels, the land couldn't hold them. Too many cows. Don't you think the Lord knows how many cows that land could handle per acre? Would you imagine he had any idea? God would know something about agriculture and acreage and ranching. Then why did he give them too many cows? (laughs) Because he is a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, net breaking, ship sinking, cup running over. Too many goats, too many cows. God. That's who he is. That's what he is. What confused religious people call waste, God calls blessing. He will pour in your cup and it'll get up to the top and start spilling over. And you go, God, 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 it's spilling. He goes, I know, I know. Watch this. <laughs> just keep on pouring. And it'll get on the table and it'll run off in the floor. And you go, God, God, it's getting on the floor. He goes, yeah, ain't it great? <laughs> See, it's the devil, it's confused people that have invented these new doctrines that somewhere or another being so tight and being so stingy is godly. It's not. And I don't know of any scripture that indicates there will be any reward for who saved the most money. No. No. People fuss over and struggle over Pinch every penny, and it's poverty spirit, it's poverty mentality. And I'm not talking about going out and being dumb and throwing your money away. I'm not talking about getting in debt over your eyes. I'm talking about having a vision and getting free 
and letting God supernaturally bring you up out of your lack and into a place you've never been before where he can use you to do things you've never done before. Blessed to be a blessing. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Read that again, verse 13 and 14. I I think we could shout about that the rest of the day, couldn't we? What, What has happened? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He took our place. We read in 2 Corinthians that he, uh, though he was so rich, yet he became poor for our sakes, that we through that poverty might be rich. That's redemptive language. Being poor is a curse. Do you believe it? Being sick is a curse. Being confused and depressed is a curse. Don't try to hyper-spiritualize it. Don't try to bring something. Don't call evil good. It's evil. Period. It's bad. You need to be rid of it. Now my question for us this morning is, whose side are you on? Are you on the poor side? Or riches side? Are you on the curses side? Or the blessing side? Didn't the Lord say, I have set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Isn't he saying, which side do you want to be on? Choose. Didn't he say, you? who's the choice up to? Isn't it us? You choose. Now you'd think no person in their right mind would choose curse over blessing or would choose, you know, broke over rich. But it's happening all over the place. And, I, and, and, and the devil's very subtle. He's very crafty. And what people have done is identify because it's been their life experience and maybe their parents and parents before them. And you start talking negatively about being poor and some people get offended. They're like, well, I'm poor. You're talking about me. Whose side are you on? See how quiet it got? And people are like, well, I'm sick. What you got against sick people? Nothing. We love sick people. But we hate sickness. We hate it. Somebody said, that's a strong word. I know that's why I used it. What you got against poor people? We love poor people. Used to be one not long ago. But we hate poverty. We despise it. It's despicable. We hate it. And so should you. Now see. It's kind of like being fat. This is oh no brother. (laughs) I didn't say you were fat. I'm not calling anybody fat. Fat's a relative term. If you're happy with where you are in your fat ratio. I'm happy for you. <laughs> but let's say you feel like you got a little extra. I do. I know I do. But so many times, have you noticed many people who are very, very sensitive about that subject? And if anything said about being fat or overweight, in fact, fat is a politically incorrect word. 
Right? I mean, you're not supposed to use that word. That's an offensive word. Because people go, what are you talking about fat people? You're talking about my fat. (laughs) That's me. Is it now? That's you. When people talk about fat, you get offended and hurt because you are so one with fat. In your mind, you have identified with fat. So if they're talking about fat, they're talking about you. (laughs) And if that's true, you can never get free from it. Because you've identified with it. Same thing with poor. Same thing with sick. Somebody talking about being you know, sick people. And you go, oh, well, that's me. I'm sick. I've been sick for years. I'm sick. No, are you the sick? Are you the cursed? Are you? Even if you're experiencing symptoms of fatness, <laughs> you can take sides against the fat. You say fat? I'm against you. Huh? Even if you're experiencing symptoms of sickness, you can take sides against the sickness, can't you? Can't you say, no, I'm, no, I don't, I don't identify with sickness. I'm against sickness. Even though I may be experiencing it in my body, I don't have to say, this is me, this is my life, I'm laying down with it. This is my lot in life. No, no, this is a curse. And I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. So I'm taking sides against this. And you may have been so broke. I mean, living off the street, not have enough to eat. The very picture and definition of poverty. But if you are a child of God, come on now, if you are born again, somebody already bore that curse for us. Didn't he now? And we can take sides against that curse. And even though I'm experiencing these symptoms and circumstances of poverty, I am not the cursed. I am not the poor. I am not the broke. I am the healed. I am the blessed. I am the rich. He's made me rich. Whether I look like it or feel like it or not, I'm already rich in Christ. He's already blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's already given me everything that pertains unto life and godliness. I am rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. Whose side you on? You for poverty or against it? <laughs> Come on, let's take a vote. For or against poverty? You for? <laughs> who's for poverty? <laughs> who's against poverty? Come on, see who's a, who's against it? How about against it vehemently? You're we're against it. In our life, my life, in your life, anybody's life. Anywhere on the planet. Do you believe God is big enough that nobody on the planet has to be broke and scraped by and grovel like a beggar? Do you believe? If everybody on the planet would turn to him and believe in him and receive this message, receive the truth, would he be able to prosper everybody on the planet? Nobody should have to beg. Nobody should have to starve. Nobody should have to grovel. And there is no government and there is no technology that can fix this. And in God, it's already fixed. It's already fixed in Jesus. Can you say amen?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and say, Thank you, Lord. 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 Go ahead, stand up on your feet, everybody. We don't identify with all these things, even though we've looked like it and felt like it and experienced it. We identify with Christ, don't we? Let me read to you the definition from the Hebrew words and the Greek words of being poor or being rich. And you already told me which side you're on. To be poor means to be in want, to be feeble, to be needy, to be destitute, to be a beggar, to be in distress, to be depressed in mind and circumstances. You know, it is, for lack of a better word, depressing to live in abject poverty, to live in those circumstances. But is that God's will for anybody to live in abject poverty or any degree of poverty? Is it God's will for anybody on the planet to be in want or feeble or needy or destitute or begging or in distress? Do you believe it's God's will for anybody to be like that? That's a curse. But rich, the Hebrew and Greek words for that mean heavy with everything good. To increase, to grow, to accumulate. You know, you're not supposed to just take one step forward and get knocked back too. You're supposed to take three steps forward, and even if something pushes you back a half a step, you're still two and a half steps further along. You're supposed to accumulate. You're supposed to make progress. The New Testament means fullness, copious. Plentiful, abundant. Being rich in God is not the same as being rich in the world. Being rich in the world is all about a dollar amount or whatever currency your country is. Who has the most of that? And that can go away. I mean, we've seen stock markets move, haven't we? I mean, that stuff can go away in the flash. Being rich in God is so much more. And so much, and and is actually secure. Being rich in God is not when you reach a dollar amount. Or when you get X amount of stuff. Being rich in God is having all sufficiency. In all things, all the time, you got abundance. For everything you need to do, every area, you always have plenty. And not just in stuff, you got plenty of revelation. You got plenty of healing. You got plenty of love and fellowship. You got plenty of joy and peace. How many know this is rich? This is being truly rich. Are you the poor? Are you the rich? Whose side you on? We're on the victory side. We're on the redeemed side. We're on the healed side. We're on the rich side. Rich is not a bad word. Rich is a Bible word. Bible word. Do you good to go around the rest of the day going, I'm rich, I'm rich. I am one rich 
fella. One re- I'm, I'm rich. I'm rich in every good thing. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm poor no more. I'm not the poor trying to get rich. I'm rich. Might be experiencing a few symptoms of poor, but I'm rich. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm healed. By stripes, I'm healed. Might be experiencing some symptoms and circumstances of sick, but I am the healed. I am the healed. I'm not the lost trying to get saved. I might be experiencing some symptoms of sin or failure, but I've been made clean by the blood of the Lamb. I am saved. I'm not trying to get saved. I am saved. We're not identifying with our feelings, experiences, circumstances, lack, pain. We are in Him. We identify with Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.